everybody. This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the all-new podcast where my mom, Bonnie Tatey, shares her view of pop culture, small-town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the all-new ABC sitcom, The Connors. Let's bring her in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm good. You know, I got some feedback from the folks. Oh? Yeah, you want to hear about it? Yeah, I do, because I, I, I don't, yeah. Uh, Jill writes in and says that it sounds like you have moles in the yard, uh, and if you get rid of the grubs that the moles are supposedly eating, you get rid of the moles. So, but what are the grubs eating? The, you know, what? It's just, it's endless. I, I don't want to use poison because I don't. I, I just think anything like that that we're putting into our water system is very bad. And uh, I still have not been to the um, supermarket because the drugstore did not have Jolly Ranchers. So I still have not done that. Um, but. Yeah. Now explain the Jolly the, Ranchers reference so the people who maybe didn't hear the previous episode know the, no, the evil no, behind this. No, if they can't us. listen, no. If they can't listen and keep up, then uh, I can't do the remedial work. Wow, so you don't want any new listeners to the podcast, is that what you're saying? I'm trying to grow the enterprise well, here, Mom. Maybe they'll be intrigued with what is the Jolly Rancher talk all about and go back and listen. So Jolly Rancher kills moles, is what people need to know. If you they stick, can't digest them, they apparently. They can't digest them. And so Mom is determined to kill as many moles as she can with Jolly Ranchers. Okay, go ahead, Mom. Except that I haven't bought the Jolly Ranchers yet. But, Johnny, since it's cold now, the mice are coming inside. So I have put out oh, my Lord. snappy snap mold mold um, trap to get the um, mice that come into the kitchen. And so far I have gotten... Seven and one mole, I guess. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. It had it had no eyes. Okay. Okay. And it's gruesome. It's just gruesome. But you really don't want them overtaking your your home. And it's a problem that we all in this area sure. suffer with. Yeah. This way, I find, is the quickest way. You know, I don't want to torment him with those sticky tape things. And, no, those are evil. You know, that that's no way to do it. So the snap mold thing, I think, is the best way. Snap to, mold, did you say? Yeah, you know, the kind where you pull back the wire. Just a mousetrap is what you're saying. Um, a regular mousetrap, yeah. a regular. Snap mold, what... Uh, you're just making stuff up. Well, I said mold wasn't the right word because I got confused, for God's sake. <laughs> it's a mousetrap. <laughs> well, I know, but it's there's there's 800 kinds out there. Kinds that entrap them in a box, the sticky tape yeah. kind. Yeah. That's it. You've listed all the kinds. You are in a very bad mood this afternoon for some reason, but I don't care. I'm just going to talk, and you can just sit there and be in a bad mood. Do you hear me? So I have caught so far about seven mice or something like a mice mouse, and my cat could care less. He is not impressed. He is he he does not look at me in awe and when I tried to show him one of the mice in the trap, he ran away. Well, 
they don't care about the mice when it's at the, when they're dead. Well, wouldn't he even be interested in the smell of it? Uh, would you? I'm not a cat. I don't know. But when he hears the trap go off, he runs right into the kitchen like he's going to empty it or something. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. cute. <laughs> huh. Yeah, Which I mean, can't do. the fact that the cat isn't helping out with the mouse problem at all. Hmm. Well, he did get one. He did get one, but I've gotten seven, and I have pointed that out to him. Hmm. And he he just doesn't care. He doesn't care. Well, you have technology at your disposal. It should be an even fight. You have to catch the mouse with your bare hands. Then we'll see who comes out on top. Well, I mean, I don't think he even cares that I have thumbs. I, I just don't know what he cares Probably about. Probably not, yeah. Ugh, that, so that's disgusting. Daddy has to leave the room if I catch one by the foot, because then I have to bang it on the you know on the floor or on the counter, edge of the counter. He can't. He doesn't like that. I don't like it either. You know, I don't like it either. But I can't have them overtaking the house. <laughs> so if you want to subscribe to the Pop Mom Podcast, new listeners, just. <laughs> Good Lord, what are... Okay, we got we, we got to move on. What's going on in your okay. neck of the woods, Ma? Um, well, I did want to tell you um, about two things very quickly. We went to the dermatologist today. Daddy and I went to the dermatologist for a yearly lookover, and he said we had very good skin. And before I knew it, he was doing a commercial, which he never really does. But here's, here's this... Uh, Sunscreen you should be using every day. It has zinc in it. It has titanium in it. It's blah, 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 blah. Titanium. And uh, we walked out of there with $150 worth of lotion. Really? Yeah. Well, that's good because you need lotion, I know. (laughs) Well, how do you think I keep so, you know, my skin so (laughs) supple? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I, did, I didn't know that the lotion could make your skin softer without even leaving the bottle. Huh. That's some, <laughs> that is some yeah. high Again, test. I can't wait till this podcast is over so I can find out what you are all in a piss about. <laughs> Do you want to talk about something? No, I'm fine. I'm in very good spirits. All right. I mean, you know, I, I'm coming for a visit, so I don't want any of this nonsense. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. The next thing, this is a little thing too. I, in looking at my money the other day, I saw that some idiot had red stamped on my money, like on a real stamp that they made themselves, had made themselves. Yeah. Trump is making America great again. Mm. That's, yeah. Maybe they're just going to do that fresh at the mint itself pretty soon. You know what? I would laugh at that, but I don't. I don't know if you could shock me or surprise me now. No, it could happen, right? Yeah. Well, I understand it's been a very politically charged uh, week for you because we yes. had this dollar bill, and then I know that there's there's an, uh, there was another encounter, shall we say? Yes. I had a state senator come to the door mm-hmm. the other night, and um, I don't usually answer the door, but he could see me, so I decided and i didn't know who he was um so i answered the door that's a shame isn't it none of us i mean i couldn't pick my like state representative person out of a lineup no no but that's where they belong most of them (laughs) um 
<laughs> good one, Mom. There's my dad move yeah, coming that out. Was, that was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I opened the door, and you looked up his name. What's his name? Bob Guida. He's your state senator, obviously. He wouldn't be looking for your vote otherwise, I don't imagine. That's Although right. some of them aren't that and, dumb. Well, he came to the door because, he, and he said, um, I see that you're an independent voter, and I would like to know what's on your mind. Hmm. And I said, well, I think things are very sad right now, and I think it's, hmm. you know, the president has made it okay to be ugly and be racist and such. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, he said, you know, I'm sorry, that's, um, you know, he mumbled something or other. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and this is, and you pointed this out to me, is that he had a an agenda. I mean, obviously he had an agenda, but he had a conversation that he was going to run. And mm-hmm. he said to me, well, what do you think about this Kavanaugh thing? And I said, I think that was very, very sad. That, that this woman was very brave and, and she came and told her story in front of everybody and she was ridiculed and made to feel less than. And I said, I think that was terrible. Well, he said, that was all, that was all Democratic students that were hired to cause all that ruckus. I said, I'm not talking about, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about the people that were that had the microphones and that were talking. Yeah, well, good I'm, answer. I'm not talking. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, there was enough of a disgrace there. Um, also, yeah. that that's a lie. It's worth mentioning, but uh, you already knew that. Um, well, I didn't even know what he was talking about. Yeah, well, because it's said nonsense. To him, yeah. I, I, but the, but at that point, see, you, you when you pointed this out to me when we discussed this a little bit mm-hmm. before, he he had the way that he wanted that conversation to go, and I we both kind of lost interest at the same time. Isn't it strange other. though, Mama? Not to interrupt the story, but isn't it strange to you that the first thing he wanted to talk about was Kavanaugh? I mean, for Pete's sake, he's a state senator in New Hampshire. He yeah. he has no. He's like a little P right. versus the orbit of Jupiter, right? Like, have a sense of scale, and why isn't he wanting to... I mean, I know the answer to this question, but why isn't he wanting to pivot to something that actually he can have an impact on and that matters to the people in right. your rather small Senate district? Exactly. Exactly. It was very telling in that... Mm. He wasn't appalled, you know, with with everything that's going on. And that that is the most appalling to me. Yeah, you're right. Is that here's one of the people that I'm saying, who are these people out there that think this is okay? Who are they? Well, here he is. He's right on your doorstep. That's right. (laughs) I couldn't have put it better. That's right. He said to me, you know, I said, it's really a sad state of affairs. And he said, stuff's getting done. Stuff's getting done. Hmm. And, uh, wow, really? So I said to him, and, and I'll tell you another thing, is that tariffs aren't really helping. That's temporary. Those are temporary. And I think, how the hell does he know? You know, they just say anything. He's just saying anything. Yeah. And at that point, he turned his back to me, and he said, well, I guess I'm not going to get your vote. And... He turned his back and started to walk away, and I just leaned out the door, and I said, no, I guess you aren't going to get my vote, and 
shut the door. But I thought, well, didn't you handle yourself nicely, Mr. State yeah. Senator? Yeah, that's a Piece disgrace. of crap. Now I have to go outside and pour bleach all over my driveway because you stepped on it. <laughs> but, but, mm-hmm. let me just say this also. Yeah. It was shocking to see that two neighbors put up their political sign, his political sign, on their lawn. Oh, wow. They, they're believers to that extent, huh? I guess. They just, they have no better message than lies and fear. I mean, what... What else can you say? Well, I expected somebody, I expected if somebody came to the door like that, and they do come in droves, you know, the closer yeah. it gets to voting. Yeah. But I thought he would be saying something like, yes, things things are a little bit out of control, and we're hoping that to turn that around and get things quiet. Say something, tell me a lie that I like even, you know? <laughs> right. No, well, no, not right. But I understand what you're saying in that we've been practicing democracy here in America for coming up on 250 years, and people have come up with things to say when a constituent doesn't agree with you at all. There are dignified, respectful things to say, and you can revert to the fact that even if you don't agree with a constituent, you will still aim to represent their needs. Um, but there's no civic-minded floor to the conversation right now in this country, and so you get interactions like this, which are madness. He Again, he's a state senator. Like, talk about property taxes or uh, talk about funding the schools. Yeah, yeah. Have something. You know, just because I didn't, uh, uh, you know, welcome you in for coffee and cake— doesn't get, you know you're you're just proving what i'm saying is that you're just ignorant That's right. you people your group is ignorant and you think that you got the tiger by the tail and you disgust me i don't know it's just it's just i i hoped it wasn't that rampant but yeah. you know it's time to stop fooling ourselves uh, Quite right. I'm not fooling myself anymore. Well, let's also not fool ourselves. I'll let people know that New Hampshire uh, pays its legislators uh, something like two hundred dollars uh, per term. So first, every that's right, and they should—they're living large. <laughs> well, I think they should. Yeah, I mean, my it's belief is they volunteer. should. Volunteer. It's volunteer, exactly. Um, or it's really all people who can't do math, right? <laughs> That's who ends up running, running for office in New Hampshire. So it's not, I mean, even by the standards of state legislatures, it is not the um, sharpest bag of marbles, shall we say. Right. That's right. And I think that occasionally there's a there's a bright rainbow in there, but not too much. Yeah. Um, you know, in advance, Ma, you told me about this guy, so I looked him up, mostly so we'd know how to pronounce his name. Uh, and I watched a little bit of a debate he had with his opponent, Bill Bolton, uh, and I don't have a lot of hope. Really? Because the other guy seems like a very nice man. But, yeah, he didn't have the greatest grasp on the issues in the debate segment that I watched. Well, you know, nobody will know that when they go to the polls. They'll they'll just know they don't want to vote Republican. Yeah. Don't you think most people in your district will be voting Republican, though? I mean, I, th- I think he's going to win. 
Well, you know, the other problem we have here is name recognition and that people will recognize that name. Yeah, for sure. So, they, so they'll vote for him. I mean, I have voted for, what, 25, 30 years for some, this sheriff that I <laughs> still wouldn't know. And I voted for him every time I've ever voted up here. So he's probably 100 years old and, you know, has a gun. So he can <laughs> be the sheriff. I don't know what they do. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have any. I have no hope. I am hopeless. Well, it might be hard to have hope in this particular race, but I, I think we can still be okay, even if the uh, District 2 state senator of New Hampshire, because, you know, it's a blue state, barely, Mom, but outside the cities, it's a red state. Yeah, yeah. Not entirely, but on the whole. Yeah, you know, and that's always been hunky-dory with me. Yeah. You know, my vote has always canceled your vote. <laughs> I'm all right with that, but not anymore. Now I'm on your side. <laughs> well, not personal. It's not personal. Oh, I know. I get it. That's very true and unfortunate and uh, quite dispiriting. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. <laughs> um, ready for the review? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah? Oh, okay. We'll see. This week, we are talking about The Connors. ABC's The Connors is what happens when a declining TV industry's compulsive need to strip mine its old material meets the reality that the stars of yesteryear don't always age well. In the 90s, Roseanne infused the mostly suburban landscape of the TV sitcom with a perspective a little further removed from the city. In 2017, Roseanne returned to hit ratings, but Roseanne Barr herself had become more erratic with time. That, do you like that word, Mom? Erratic? That's, uh, yeah, that's the best one yeah. I could come up with. Unable to restrain her ranting and conspiracy theorizing on Twitter, Barr finally lost her job after she said a repulsive thing about a former Obama advisor. In the aftermath, we get the Connors. Roseanne without Roseanne. Here's a clip. You okay? I don't know. Who am I supposed to be mad at now? I thought Marcy Bellinger was a pretty good choice until she ruined it by being all sad and human and stuff. How are you doing? Wish I would have known, you know? It wouldn't have mattered, baby. She was going to do what she was going to do. She never listened to a damn person in her life. Well, she should have, you know? Because I still need her. I just want to call her and say, how am I supposed to do all this? Your mother once told me that everything you needed, she gave to you before you were five. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, I never could figure it out either. I think it's something she got off a Snapple cap. The Connors airs Tuesdays at 8, 7 central on ABC. Mom, was the Connors a yawner? Is it a goner? I hope so. Oh, my God, I hope so. Talk about feeling depressed. Mm. Oh, my God. This whole podcast, you know, wow. <laughs> this this was such crap. I, I just can't even believe that it's on television. 
I can't even believe people would watch this. Now, I did not watch Roseanne because I did not want to be subjected to her views. And I knew she was very pro-Trump. Trump, and I just didn't want any part of it, so I didn't watch that. Okay, well, let However, me be, let me just jump in and be more specific because uh, you were an avid viewer of the original Roseanne. You're saying you did not worshiper. watch the right. You did not watch the reboot. The reboot. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And I didn't really have much hope for this, and fortunately, I was right. But <laughs> I. <laughs> I, so you didn't I see thought. a you didn't see a single minute of the reboot. Not one. Okay. So you know when I I turn this on, I know Roseanne has quote died, mm-hmm. and the, here's here was all my problems mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. It was so fast paced. It just it felt like it was racing, so that everybody got their two point two second part on the show that it felt like it was going at lightning speed. I don't know. Maybe I was on drugs. I don't know. But it seemed like it was speeding through and not doing well by anyone. And my God, who is the makeup artist? <laughs> you know, give somebody some tools, please. It's It was shocking. It was shocking to see... I'll just say to see John Goodman, who really, wow. Yeah. And nobody's character is is really very interesting. Yeah. Well, or, or really punched out very much, I didn't think. You know, they're grieving the loss of Roseanne, and she's she uh, apparently had a, had a drug problem, an opioid problem. And... Uh, God, they beat that into the ground, and you know it's just it's. If you're going to put on a sitcom, I want to laugh twice. I'm not. I'm not really going to be hard on you. Mm-hmm. I would just like to laugh or or big smile twice. Right. <laughs> this made me want to go get a prescription for Prozac. It was depressing. <laughs> well, you should probably. I mean, we shouldn't joke about drugs given the content of the episode the opioid thing is a real problem uh, but that is almost well, i know but, but take care of that on 60 minutes <laughs> i don't really need to see it on a sitcom although i you know this is such a piece of crap i don't mind really seeing it on here but don't call yourself a sitcom well i get and, what, you know yeah don't don't give me a roughshod run over on opioids because it seemed so patronizing to me as a viewer. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think they're so eager to remain relevant, right? Ma, because look, ABC, they knew what they were getting with Roseanne Barr and they were a little excited by it, you know, like maybe they didn't love the Trump stuff, but they saw those ratings and boy, I mean, which is the very root of the Trump problem in the first place. But that aside, ABC had this show with a lot of zeitgeist energy going for it. As ugly as that zeitgeist might be, you know, this is how the television industry thinks. So I wasn't that surprised to see that they carried forward the I mean, the opioid bit was part of Roseanne's character last season too from what i understand i also did not see any of it 
but they, you know, that was such a point of focus. And I think it's, it did feel a little desperate to be part of the national conversation still, Mm. didn't it? Uh, Yes. I feel that's what you're reacting. That's what is, you know, so off-putting to you. I think that a show, and maybe you're right, it would be tough for a sitcom to handle, but I think that a show could confront the opioid problem with creativity, um, but that's not really what this is. doesn't right. feel like that, at least. Right, because we've seen, we've seen different shows, and I really don't have any off the top of my head, but we've she- seen shows where they've handled issues maybe in a clever way that sort of made you look at it from a different point of view or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so- something like that with cleverness or from a different point of view. And I think the original Roseanne achieved that, in fact, right? Yes, yes. That's that's right, but th- this was just yeah. Ugh. I mean, I don't know who the writers were. Do you know who the writers were? No, I don't. You know, it, but it felt like. I mean, it wasn't that lively, but it felt like t- the rhythm of typical '90s sitcom joke writing, which I'm not terribly interested in at this point in my life. But I did uh, chuckle a couple times, even though I wasn't that impressed. And I think Sarah Gilbert is pretty good. She is the best. She was the the creme de la creme out of everybody. Yeah, she plays Darlene, uh, Roseanne's daughter, who is now uh, basically the the new Roseanne, the new head of the family, uh, which the first episode of the season established. Um, and she she's very talented. Laurie Metcalf is great. You know, she they write her very broadly on this show, but uh, I really admire Laurie Metcalf. Calf. Did you ever see her show Getting On, Mom? No. Uh-uh. It's about these doctors and nurses who work in a um, basically a ward for terminal patients, so it's not the cheeriest uh, thing, mm. but it is very funny and very well performed, uh, including by Laurie Metcalf. Um, here's something that made me uncomfortable, Mom, is to me the remembrance of Roseanne in the... Roseanne, the character in the season premiere, took place in a very strange space for me because we're fondly remembering this character, but this character was brought to life in large part by the actual true personality of Roseanne Barr, right? Right. Which was such a revelation and which has, at least you and me and many other people across the country, brought us a lot of delight over the years, right? So it was nice to finally remember that, except it also felt like at the same time I was, by, by taking part in it, in this fond remembrance... I was kind of complicit in rehabilitating the person herself, right? Because it's so hard to separate the two. Right, yeah. It's not that I don't understand the distinction between character and person, but again, because it was blurred here, I couldn't really get into a place where I felt entirely comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know that there was any place to get comfortable. No, I suppose not. And maybe that's part of that's part of what the you know I don't know television can be pretty insidious with its manipulation. So you know is that oh, what you're yeah. trying to 
Is that what you're going for, that I'm uncomfortable and you're talking about opioids and, and alcoholism and, you know, damn it, you will feel uncomfortable. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I do. I'm trying to... Well, TV is, of course, yes, quite insidious and manipulative. I think you and I are pretty finely attuned to it, having been manipulated by TV untold thousands of times over the years, right? We have been subject (laughs) to its uh, wiles. But we can feel when we're being jerked around a little bit, I guess, is an instinct that you and I share. And it just felt like we were being jerked around a little. And it felt like it felt like, like, okay, we can talk about opioids, but and that's important. But it almost felt like it was papering over the real issue at the heart of this show. Like, as terrible as opioids are, isn't it even worse that it felt like they were employed out of convenience on this show? Yes. Yes. And I think it sort of uh, bit the hand that fed it, if you will. Go on. Well, to me, it felt like Roseanne Barr blew it. Right. But now Roseanne Connor is dead from opioids. And so let's crap all over that. Let's just just crap all over her. I don't I just don't like that. What do you think they crapped all over? Who are you talking about? Roseanne Connor? You think that they crapped all over her in the episode? Yes. Uh, Tell me why. Well, because I think that this opioid thing, you know, Dan was putting all his effort into hating this woman who she got pills from. And then it's like, well, it's really her. As we were cleaning this and that out, we found more pills. So it's her. It's her. It's her. Let's get the the burning stakes out and, and really really killer and really you know we don't miss her she was a bad per i don't know it just it got all messy that was not the message i took away i have to i have to say although i understand what you're saying replaying it in my mind but yes the last pivotal turn in the season premiere was that this neighbor lady dan was blaming was just one of many sources of pills and that really they should be the lesson quote unquote was that they need to blame Roseanne Connor for her own downfall. And I'm going to tell you what else. This was the part that's missing, that even on death row, those people are still loved by their mothers. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Okay. I think she was still loved, though. That's that's what I... I think she was still loved on the... As much as I agree with you that the show is, is bad, I do think the message was she was loved, and that made it it made that all the more harder to accept that she was responsible for her own demise. And yeah. I think they wrestled with that. But they still loved her, I think. Well, I wish that had come through a little more, you know. Um, I And I think there were some, some I felt, half-hearted attempts to laugh at mm-hmm. her ways. Um, but I get it. No, and I think you're picking up on something real, Mom, because... It was a script written under extraordinary circumstances where, Uh as we've been discussing, they had to eulogize this character while also, I'm sure, being quite furious with the person who played her and the person who created her. Right? So maybe that, maybe this opioid death and 
you know, we see it three weeks after the funeral. Maybe this grief storyline is a bit of them putting their own experience into a different context because mm. she can't die of having made a racist remark. But right. this is right. maybe this is in part a way for them to exercise their own demons and their own fond memories of a um, better part of Roseanne Barr. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can accept that, but I don't think I'll watch it. No, me, me either. I'm not asking you to. But I think we can understand the human difficulties behind producing this show. It's just that it happens to stink. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we must, I agree. we must be honest about our perspectives here on Pop Mom. F. So, I give it an F. Oh, I was just going to ask. Well, you beat me to it. I couldn't wait. Mom, do you have any recommendation for the listeners this week? Aside from the Connors. <laughs> Sorry. I have the best recommendation for you. Ooh. This would be, for somebody that loves books and bookstores and such, this would be a great Christmas gift. This is a book called Footnotes from the World's Greatest Bookstores by Bob Eckstein. Mm-hmm. This is a book of paintings, like watercolor paintings, I think by him, um, from bookstores all over the world. And it has just a little paragraph um, about each one, and then a very short little paragraph about what it might be known for or who frequented, you know, a famous person or some such thing. And one of the um, ones that was showcased in there is one from your neck of the woods called Quimby's. Quimby's. Wow. Okay. I don't know it. It's booked as the unofficial flagship for the graphic novel. Wow. I got to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. But this book is quite beautiful. The The paintings are quite lovely. And the, the little maybe reminiscent uh, paragraph or whatever, they're all very interesting. They're very interesting. And it's uh, presented in a very interesting way. It's not just a regular book. It, you hold it um, lengthwise and then lift the top up and the pages then flip from side to side. I, that probably didn't sound huh. like a... I can picture it. I know what you mean. Okay, yeah. okay. Yep. I wasn't sure. Uh, so it's a little difficult to read while you're in bed, but if you're sitting in a chair, it's just fun. It sounds great. I'm curious about this Quimby's. I'm going to have to pick it up. Yeah. For book lovers. I think so. Now, what's your favorite bookstore to visit, Mom? Oh, my favorite? Well, I don't have much of a choice, you know? I'm, I would love to go to a fun bookstore when I come out to visit. You don't have any bookstores near you that you like to patronize? No, but, you know, we have a Barnes & Noble, but you know what? I never look at my credit card statement, and when I looked at it last week, it said that they they updated my automatic renewal of my Barnes & Noble card. Mm-hmm. And I had to call them and say, cancel that. I don't, I don't want that automatic renewal. I don't even shop there. Well, surely they've been billing you for that for years, right? Because I remember you had that, like, when I was in college. You had that membership. Well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs>
Okay. Well, there's a bookstore up in New London, isn't there, Mom? They've got at least like 20, 30 books at for least. you to choose from. At least. I have more books than they have. <laughs> but they'll order anything you want, which is not what you want when you go to a bookstore. Unfortunately, it's not. No, that used to be an option, I guess. But All right. Now I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> now you should be in a good mood. And tell us again your uh, recommendation. Footnotes from the world's greatest bookstores by Bob Eckstein. A great. You'll love it. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And it's a great gift this Christmas Hanukkah, what have you, um, That's right. this solstice season for the book lover and your family. But make sure they have a chair first to read it in, okay? Check, That's right. Check it's no them. good in bed. Futons? Do you think they could read it on a futon? Will that yeah, count? they could read it okay. in a futon Futons or a papazon. Are... Oh. <laughs> 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 Does anybody know what that is? People Everybody are Everybody but you knows what that is. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I, know what I found out what it was about 20 years ago. And she said, you know, the woman said, you never heard of this? And I said, no, I never did. Hmm. Uh, anybody who shops at Pier 1 will be able to recognize That's right. this. That's right. <laughs> giant basket with a cushion in it that you sit in. They are comfy, uh, though, aren't they? Oh. oh, my God, I can't stay awake in one. Yeah, they're nice. Okay, so a papasan is also, I don't know, it might be tough to read this in a papasan. Um, bean bag chair also... Maybe not the best. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's all for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, Mom? I'm hoping that we can talk about something interesting. Hmm. Boy, I hope so, too. By the way, yeah. next week's edition will be recorded live and in person. Well, they're all live. They're all recorded live. I suppose that's true. But in person. In person, right. Yeah, because you'll be here in Chicago. Very exciting. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Just say something nice about us. Uh, if you don't enjoy the show, why are you still listening? Uh, we love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. Bye, Johnny.